Welcome to the clean truth, what we like to call bullshit on the status quo. What's up guys, welcome to another episode of the clean truth, I'm Don, I'm your host. Today we have a very special guest on the line, Mr. Brandon Lilly. Brandon, how you doing buddy? I'm doing awesome man, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, Brandon, I had the pleasure of meeting you and getting to know you through the uh, UNCW strength guys at UNCW, yep. Ben and Kyle, and met you at the uh, Summer Strong two years ago, and that's how I kind of got introduced to you. But um, you are probably one of the most humble and intriguing and interesting humans that I've had the privilege of meeting, and that's kind of why I wanted you on here today because I'm familiar with your story, and I know where you came from and what you've accomplished in your powerlifting career and everything else, but a lot of the people within our, you know, our clean eats culture they they don't really know and they may not follow you or or know who you are. And I think some of the things that you've done and accomplished and overcome, I think are one going to be relatable, but two, it's very inspiring. So, um, well, man, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It, it's a, it's a kind of a crazy ride life. You know, um, I look back at well, what you talk about, you know, like the days where, you think you got it figured out and you think you know everything and then life has a really unique way of sending you lessons and it's like if you can pick up on those lessons when they're small you don't have too much pain but for guys like myself and I think probably guys like you to some degree and and many others um, we really get stubborn you know we think we can just bull our way through things so when these warning signs or these early you know, shifts in what we're doing um, kind of create turmoil within us. Sometimes I think we push too hard instead of listening to what the world's trying to tell us. And I know that sounds a little hippy dippy, but you know, when I when I was on top of powerlifting, um, I was very very good at the sport, but I was very deficient as a as a man and as a human. Sure. So, you know, my lesson was whenever I got hurt. So for people that don't know, um, I was, I was a top ranked lifter in a couple divisions. I'd come off some really, really significant, um, contests where I had won and had some of the biggest totals in the years that I was lifting. Um, and I was traveling all around the world. I was speaking. I was, I felt very much, I think for myself to say this, um, there was a sense of celebrity or there was a sense of recognition. Uh, celebrity is probably not the right word, more recognition, but I was, I was buying into my own stuff, you know, and I wasn't taking care of the stuff at home. I wasn't taking care of myself as, as a human being, as I said, you know, it was just always a hundred miles an hour forward and I'll deal with the blowout later. And the blowout came in January of 2014 when I was competing in LA fell literally shattered my left knee i mean everything that could be torn was torn everything that could be damaged within that joint was damaged and on the right side the quad tendon and patella tendon were torn and going literally from the day before as a top ranked number one lifter in this competition to a guy that they say will definitely never compete again and may not likely walk normally for up to 10 months so i I had a pretty quick rise. I mean, it was kind of like the overnight success story that took 15 years because when I started to gain notoriety in powerlifting, um, the internet wasn't as prevalent when I was sure. making my climb. It was so on magazines. It was, 
Yeah, yeah. So kind of uh, I had some good competitions and some good things happened right around the time. I guess it was probably 2007 and 2008 when I started getting on the Internet. And if you can't tell by now, I'm a guy that likes to talk. So I was willing to talk about my training, talk about lifts and, you know, give some just instruction that we were given to each other inside the gym. And I think it was because I was an early adapter, not because I was right, that people started listening to what I had to say and started watching what I was doing. And I think that was the problem is that I was giving anecdotal advice because it was working for me and it was working for my teammates and it was good information to reference but I started speaking like an authority before I was an authority. Even though I was good at the sport, I had no business translating things that professionals had kind of given to me through either books, different forms of media, or in-person contact, and then trying to translate them forward. I, I didn't have enough command of what the information was to do that. And I look back and regret that now because I, sh I should have done a better job of, of paying it forward. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh no, that's that was good, man. I appreciate it. Um like I said in the beginning, I've I've heard other podcasts that you've done. One specifically that always sticks out in my mind when I think about you is the interview that you did with Ben Pakulski on his podcast. I mean, you went way back into your youth and growing up and some of the stuff that you had dealt with and and had to overcome. Yeah. And then it was kind of a beginning all the way up until now kind of thing. And um, every time we're at Sorenex or one of those events, you know, I always feel, I feel like I'm a part of a culture that is, it's very, it's something special to see a lot of these guys and shit and for them to share similar stories of having to grow and adapt and overcome struggles from an early age. And then to see some of these guys use that for positivity and influence. Now it's something that I'm trying to do myself, which is, I mean, I guess that's a question that I could ask you is, you know, you just said that you didn't feel like you were up to up to par to be doing the things that you were doing. But I mean, to me, I, I wouldn't if, if that was me, I wouldn't look at it like that. I, I look at you. You can only speak on things that you've experienced. And so right. I, I guess my question is, is. I'm not really comfortable doing that myself now. And maybe it's because right. I haven't experienced as much as I need to experience to be able to do it. But I want to yeah. get to that point where I can use some of the stuff that I've experienced and failed in to help other people. Well, so I look at you and first of all, dude, I want to congratulate you on what you were building. I mean, um, again, it's like I learned about you a couple of years ago. I had some of your product, which was anybody that's listening, that's never tried the product that's just listened to the podcast. Um, I was shocked is an understatement at how good it was because I'd done a couple of the other, the, the other, uh, you know, some of the other, uh, kind of like, what do you call them? Pre-meal, pre-made yeah, meals or things like that. I've been really disappointed in it. And, uh, I remember you reached out to me, said, some guys referred you my way and you wanted me to try some of your meals. They're fantastic. I mean, um, you're doing something at a very, very high level. And far as far as business goes that I couldn't do that I mean at this point in time like if I sat down and learned from you I definitely could so you have value in your voice because you are actually doing it and I think that's where you begin to weave what you're doing that's finding success 
with what you've been through because it's all the same. Whatever you've been through, whether it was an easy life, whether it was, you know, fed with a silver spoon or if it was the hardest life you can imagine, at the end result being right now, the current day, you're doing it. You're doing it right. And I think from your perspective, there are people out there that come from, you know, whatever background similarity that you have. And I think the the more connections that you have with people, the deeper the roots go. But I think your story can help anybody. I mean, you've made physical improvements. You've you've got a stable life. You've got a stable uh, business, and it's a growing business. And it's like, dude, I'm impressed with you all the way around. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I just I don't have a business background. I never went to college. I never went to business school. My wife and I were just. You're telling your story right now, dude. Listen, (laughs) I mean, these are things that people are sold. Hey, go to college. You'll get the job. You'll get this. You'll do that. Dude, I can tell you the first job interview I went to right out of college. So I went to Berea College, B-E-R-E-A. I encourage anybody out there that doesn't know about this college to to do some, just do a quick Google search on it. It's a pretty impressive place. Um, No student pays tuition. There's a work exchange for the tuition. Really? And there's just a lot of other, yeah, and they have, I mean, it's a tiny little school in a tiny little town, and it is one of the richest um, liberal arts colleges in the country. And it's just, I mean, it's on par with the Ivy League schools as far as endowments. And it's just, it's a really neat place. That's beside the point. But because of this kind of stuff, they have this reputation, and it's a very good academic school. So all the counselors and all your advisors and things like that are sitting there telling you, like, oh, going to Berea College will be a leg up when you go to your job interviews and so on and so forth. So I go to my first job interview and I'm talking to this guy and, you know, he was about as interested in me as a cup of vanilla ice cream. I mean, he just wasn't, you know, he was just doing his job too. So he's asking me questions and going through this thing and I'm holding this ace in my hand, you know, just sitting here thinking, okay, here it comes. And by the way, I went to Berea College and he goes, where's that? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like all this all this belief that I had put into that my education was instantly going to matter or instantly reward me or or be, you know, significant. And any other college graduate that graduated the same year I did um, is just crap. And that's what we've been sold. But you're a guy, I don't know how or why you got started down this path, but you're doing it. And that, to me, that's all you need to do. Like, you just need to live a life that can inspire others. That's what I aspire to do myself is just live a life that doesn't bother anybody, doesn't shit on anybody, just improves my life, the people's lives. You have to improve yourself first. Sure. You know, you got to take care of your house before you say them. It is. And that's, I think we're so often, you know, we're trying to pursue taking care of other people or, or, you know, maybe a different focus on that would be like impressing other people or, trying to do so many things to look like we're doing things instead of taking care of ourselves first. Like you got to do that. So then you can be the best version of yourself to help your family and then your friends. And then hour from there, it's like a guy told me the other day, you know, I kept telling him this was years ago, but I kept saying to the effect of, you know, I can't do it from, from where I live. I live in Kentucky. I need to be in LA or New York or this. He's like, if you can't change your hometown, how are you going to change the world? And that was like, well, damn, there it yeah, is. Yeah, that's a, that's you a know? pretty good one there. You know, because in your hometown, that's where the people love you. That's where the people support you. That's where you have grassroots foundation to get behind whatever you're doing. 
and I've never met somebody that if if they're a good person and they've been good to people when they when they get something positive going people rally you know there might be there might be some naysayers along the way but I've never really had people turn me down when I've asked them for for help around here you know it's just a good solid community and I think sometimes we think too big before we take care of the stuff closest to home literally absolutely so how do you if if you don't mind me asking how do you take all of these lessons and stuff like this and apply them to like so for those that don't know you do a lot of online coaching right a lot a lot of online training and stuff and work with a lot of athletes do you yep how involved do you get with that on that kind of level with those athletes or is it just so, kind of a case by case it, yeah it's case by case i mean i have some athletes that i you know i beg for communication i'm like I need more videos. I need more, you know, feedback. I need more of this. I need more of that. Part of it is because I really want to help. I mean, that's that's the biggest part. But the other side of it is, you know, the internet is a is a terrible place, and and it can be an awesome place, but it tends to be a terrible place because people tend to cling to the negative. So if I coach a hundred people to success and I'm praising them and I'm talking about them and yada yada yada, all the good stuff. And then one guy gets on here and he's like, well, now, nah, yeah, we never really did video review or this or that or the other. And I'm looking back at the email chains and I'm begging this guy, you sure. know, for feedback and content and things like that. So it's not, it's not like I let too much take stock in that because I've kind of proven myself over time, but it is definitely a case by case basis. And some lifters just don't need that. Like I didn't need somebody over my shoulder all the time telling me what to do and how to do it. I just needed somebody to kind of kick me in the ass when I wasn't doing what I needed to do. And I try to get a feel for people and try to understand, um, you know, how, how to better work with their personality. But, you know, I try to do the best that I can through that. And it's, I'm kind of in a shift in my coaching really, because I believe in the powerlifting and I believe in making people closer to their goals through fitness and athletics. But I'm really, and probably as you know, and you know, as you followed me along, more interested in helping people heal themselves from, you know, from hardship or figuring out who they are so they can really live the best life that they can. And when I'm asking straight up powerlifters a lot of these questions, I can just sense that it's it's not. <laughs> they don't want to get. Yeah. Well, they don't it's not what they expected. Way. It's not what they expected from me. Um, maybe more so now than than a year or so ago, but. I think that I'm starting to find those unique clients that are looking to be like a full spectrum approach. Because as I said, you know, whenever I was powerlifting, I was all systems go to get five more pounds on the bar, but I was negligent of responsibility as, as a human being. Like I didn't, I just didn't do the things that I should have done to set myself forward. You know, it was like, I was so focused on this one thing, but that one thing, you know, it's it's really just a passionate hobby. I like, you know, the people say I'm a professional powerlifter or whatever. I mean, if you looked at the money that I made from contests over the years, it's insignificant at at any level of measure. Um, my income from the sport came because I was hustling. You know, I was doing the coaching, I was speaking at seminars, I was working clinics, I was getting my face out there anywhere that I could go. Um, but there were certainly lifters that were on my level or maybe even better at times that didn't capitalize on those things, didn't take those opportunities or seek those chances. 
and I'm an all-in kind of guy. I mean, I, I've told the story before. When I was going up to Columbus to train, I was going, I was driving up three hours up, training three hours back, four days a week, and then working those nights um, so I could, you know, maintain my my training and train at the best gym in the world, but still keep try to keep some sense of of order here at home. And, and that's Westside Barbell. So for those that yeah don't yeah know yeah what he's talking about. Yeah, so there is, I was trying to tell myself there was order, but that was pure chaos, and it was from pure desperation. It was on the heels of losing a job with General Motors um, that I really thought, you know, was going to be a 30-year job. I bought into that that pipeline dream of work one place, live in the same house, you know, like, I, it kind of had that American dream sure. in sight. I, I was living it, and then reality hit. You know, we can have the American dream in our mind, but if we're not doing the things to access that dream, it can kind of become a hell. And that's exactly, exactly what it became for that's what it became for me. I got too comfortable thinking this is gonna be static, this is gonna be forever. So when the when the uh we hit a recession there in oh eight, oh nine, you know, they scaled back, my position was cut and that kind of left me free falling. And I started making terrible decisions. I mean, I was doing everything I could out of desperation to make ends meet. You know, I was chopping wood. I was cleaning cars. I was working odds and ends jobs anywhere, any place that I could. And that led me to a point where it was like, well, okay, what now? I'm still coming up short. And unfortunately or fortunately, how, I mean, however you look at it in the, in the sense of this story, um, I live in an area where there is a serious drug problem. And, you know, I know people right here in this town, probably 10 or 12 of them right now within a five or six mile radius of me, you know, that can facilitate that end. So I told myself, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell drugs, but I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to do it for excess. I'm going to do it to, to survive. So if I had a $250 bill owed to electric or whatever it was, I sold $250 worth of drugs. I didn't sell 251 or 260 I sold 250 dollars and that was kind of a way I tried to keep myself in check to be like this isn't forever this isn't a lifestyle this is just getting through you know and while I'm not proud of that um I mean who's proud of selling drugs but at the same time I am proud of myself because I didn't give up you know what I mean I I kept going and, and while while my choices were poor my effort was, and my expectation of self was still somewhat high. Um, and then that's where I got off track because after that is when I got so invested because right up until that point, life was really like perfectly good. And then at that point, that's when I started pursuing powerlifting and life got kind of off kilter to the point that, you know, I'm kind of fast forward and, and jumping around a little bit. But when I got hurt, um, my whole identity was, oh, Brandon, the powerlifter, Brandon, the, you know, this guy or Brandon that. And it wasn't just Brandon, you know, it was, it was an identity wrapped up in that sport. So, you know, through 17 knee surgeries, each one of them requiring, you know, three to four weeks, pretty much bedridden on my back. Um, you can imagine the mental toll that that took on me because I would, every, every time I would have surgery, um, I would actually accelerate very quickly. I would get, I would get better and I would get stronger and I was getting very, very close to my old competition numbers, believe it or not. And just a side note to tell you how crazy I was when they told me I wouldn't walk for 10 days, 
I picked a competition ten I mean ten day ten months. I picked a competition date ten months away. And <laughs> I, I made sure that I was gonna do a competition that day and I totaled nineteen sixty eight. Um, I squatted six six I, I squatted six sixty one um, I benched 551 or 560 and then I pulled 750, 740. Um, so, and it was, and it was the worst that I could have possibly done to myself. Like it, it came out into a result that was quote unquote positive, but I, everything that I did to get there was destructive. You know, it sure. was, I didn't let my body heal. I didn't give myself the chance to recover. Um, my knee was showing me every symptom that it was going to be a problem and actually the day that i competed i'd spiked the fever and by the end of the day if if you ever want to look around and find it um there's a picture of me at the gpa worlds in australia and i cut my knee sleeve because my knee was already starting to swell because it was infected um mm. so i actually had to, i actually had to have surgery in australia two days after that because of infection so i would have this pattern where i would get better I would get stronger. I would feel more like myself and people would respond to me like the person that I was trying to be. Um, you know, the likes and the follows and all that stuff would go up and then I would get an infection. The likes and the follows would go down. I would kind of sink into a, a depression and then I'd get better and come out of it. And it was just a cycle for 17 surgeries in four years and um, kind of coming to a point, well, I guess two and a half years uh, of that, but four years to get my knee correct. And the darkest day came on April 12th, 2016. And um, I just reached a point where, like I said, my life was so disrupted and, and fractured that I felt like I'd let so many people down that I would actually be doing a people a favor if I took my own life. And, um, you know, I sat there very, very much um, baiting this topic in my head, you know, like trying to reason it out why it's a good idea to kill myself. So. I'll pause there to tell you a story about when I was five years old and, and I was in kindergarten. They asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I got in trouble because I said I wanted to be great. I didn't define what I wanted to be. I defined that I wanted to be great. And you got and in trouble honestly, for that? Well, they wanted us to be specific. They said, you want to be a great what? Like trouble is in like kind of made, kind of made fun of by the teacher a little bit, like poke fun at for not sure. understanding what she was saying. Um, and having to get up in front of the class and, and tell my answer. So anyway, um, that was the overwhelming resounding thought in my head that probably saved my life was I went back to that moment where it was like, this is not what you wanted to be when you were a kid. How'd you get here? Sure. And, you know, I, I started to get a bit emotional thinking about it right now, but that story in the context of all of that is so extreme but i guarantee you if enough people hear this somebody is going to have their version of that and that's what i'm trying i tell you all of that and that huge long story because as much as as i'm like god nobody's lived my life the times that i have told that it's overwhelming how many people come to me because it's not just them it's their brother or their wife or their sister or their mom yeah, or their dad it's relatable one and, way or the other Exactly. And I think that is what we need to understand about humans is that we're not that different. So whatever you've done, the path that you've taken, there is power in it, whatever it is, as long as you are working to get better, I don't care where you've been. I think the greatest stories that I cling to 
are the ones of overcoming or coming back. And, um, I mean, it, it's, I don't know that we always root for the guy that always has it easy. You know, I think it's a, it's a very American thing to root for the underdog. And I, I always celebrate the underdog and I've always appreciated being an underdog because it gives me something to work for, you know, it gives me a purpose. I'm exactly the same way. To do better. And dude, look at yourself. I mean, how many clean eats do you have? Like how many, how many places are opening up? It's crazy. So you're doing it. You're absolutely doing it. Man, that story was, I don't even have words to describe that story you just told. Um, I do want to back up though, just to kind sure. of put one thing into perspective for the, for if you're sitting here and you're listening to this and you're not familiar with, I'm using my fingers in quotes, the powerlifting world and that scene in that sport, to do what you just said you did is unimaginable. I can't even begin to describe you the mental fortitude that it took to do what you were doing by getting up out of bed. And then, you know, you said you picked that show 10 months out and then to put your body. Yes. I mean, it was very dis- dis- disruptive and destructive and the, the things you were doing to get there weren't healthy by any means, but sure. I think there's also a lesson to be learned there of the the mental fortitude that it took to get back to that point. And then to take lessons away from, you know, the, the negative side of that, I think, there's a ton of lessons to be taken away from the, from the negative side as well. Oh, well, the, the brightest lesson that I think I gained from that, that I try to tell people, um, especially younger kids. I mean, I feel like I've had some signs here in the last few days, especially, I mean, we'll talk about the scope of a year, but specifically just in the last few days that keep kind of pulling me, especially because my son, I, you know, that's probably why I watch my son play these youth sports. And I keep feeling like I'm I'm being called to youth, you know, like try to help these guys before they're broken. It's much easier to prepare someone for the hardships of life than, the, than to repair them from the hardships of life. So I think there's people on both ends of that spectrum, and I've done a lot of both. I think I've helped a lot of guys and women um, come back from things, but it's like, man, what if we could just help everybody get a little better on the front end? Then it wouldn't be such deep water when things come apart, you know? So I really want to double down on that. But what I was saying, man, nobody wakes up and says, you know what? Today's a great day. It's like I got money in the bank. My bills are paid. And I think I'm going to go shoot some heroin. Like nobody has (laughs) that life. You know, like they don't just wake up and do that. And it's like there's a thousand choices that lead to that one where heroin becomes a, I, I say, reasonable option and very loosely but to that person it becomes a reasonable choice to stick a needle in your arm with a drug that will put you unconscious possibly kill you so that's that was the beginning of the reasoning to my healing it was like look at all these things behind you that you're embarrassed of that you regret that you wish you could change you can't you can't go back on those things but if it took you 10,500 choices to get to this spot it's going to take you 10,501 to get out, but you've yeah. got to start climbing. It's like you can't be in an eight-foot pool and swim out seven feet. You know what I mean? It's the same, like you've got to climb higher than you fell. And that was, for me, a momentum swing because all I kept seeing was that I was falling further. But as soon as, it's like I've always told people too, you can give me every reason in the world why I can't do something. If you give me one as to why I can, I'll cling to that son of a bitch for everything I got. 
So that's what I kept telling myself was if I don't start climbing, I'm at death's door. So I need to get myself out of this. But I was climbing again. And, dude, once that day one got by, day two, momentum starts picking up, it's much easier. That's like right now. I'm not the culmination of waking up this morning and be like, I'm going to be happy as shit. I'm going to have a great day. Look at my Instagram for the last two years. It's progressively more and more happy. It's progressively more and more successful. And I'm not saying success is in more money in the bank or more money coming in the door. I'm saying getting the right amount of money in and not putting so much money out. You know, changing my lifestyle to fit who I am, not what sure. other people expect of who I am. And I think that there's a big miscalibration on there because it's like you ask somebody what they want to be. I want to be a millionaire. Okay, here's a million dollars. I'm going to put you on, uh, you know, West Hollywood. Tell me how long that lasts. Now you take somebody and bring them to Kentucky. I'm going to give you a million dollars. Tell me how long that lasts. In Kentucky with a million dollars, you can build a life. You can build a forever life. A million dollars in L.A. ain't going to go that far. You buy a house and you're down six hundred, seven hundred thousand. Here you buy a house, you're down 150, 180,000. So you see what I mean? People need to define their goals better. And I was, I was goalless. All my goal was more. When I was powerlifting, my only goal was more. What is that? What is more? Well, that's more drugs, more alcohol, more sex, more rock and roll, more this, more that, five more pounds on the, it was just more, 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 more. More excess. Exactly. So as long as I was pushing that boundary of more, Dude, I was falling apart because it's like, you know, it's like water. As it expands, it gets thinner and thinner and thinner, right? And it, and eventually it will wick itself apart until it's in multiple drops. That's exactly what it was doing to me. I was pulling myself so far at the seams that I was cracking at the center. So for me, simplifying my life down, shit, man, like in the in the scope of reality, not to put down anybody that has dreams. Chase your dreams until they break you. And then find a different way. And that's where I'm at. Like in my life now, I'm a football dad. I'm a baseball dad. I'm, you know, I'm doing all of these things all the time. I have to be diverse. I have to be on the go. I have to be active. I can remember a time when I could squat 850 pounds, but I couldn't walk a thousand yards without getting the back pumping out of breath. Be this person that I want to be, squatting 900 pounds is extremely counterproductive now. It served its purpose to help me find my purpose, sure. which is to be a better human. You know, it was the platform to my purpose. I think so, sometimes we can get focused on what our purpose is when really we might be in the midst of our platform that actually leads us there. You know, I totally agree. I think that's actually a good point for me to kind of change directions, if you don't mind, real quick. And sure, absolutely. You know, you mentioned the, the guy that you are now. And to me, I think that's the most intriguing part for for myself because I was immensed, I, like I was engulfed in the in the bodybuilding scene, you know, starting around 2008, 2009. And man, I went full bore. I was all in, you know, the exact same way. I would have done anything I had to do to get bigger, leaner, and just to to be something that, I wasn't before. And so to be honest with you, I had, I had, I had heard, you know, who Brandon Lilly, the powerlifter was before, but when I got to know, when I, when I had met you and got to know you through Ben and Kyle, 
I didn't really know too much about that part of your life. And then when I started following you, I started seeing the things that you do now and the way that you help people now online and, and see the things that you do through Instagram and stuff like that. And at, at Sorenex. And to me, that's the most inspiring thing, man. I mean, because of everything that you've gone through and then to see the way that you use it now, you know, you said you, you are a dad, you, you work with your son and youth athletics and stuff, but you know, if you don't mind, talk about what else, what it is that you do now on a day-to-day basis for those that don't so, follow you. Yeah, so I think I, I try to not box myself in too much as to what I do with with Sorenex. Um, whenever I actually became an employee of Sorenex, they were, I would say, supportive, not sponsoring as far as like, you know, if I had a competition or something, they would support me in that. But it wasn't like a month to month or a year to year kind of thing. It was just as a, as an as needed kind of basis. And I kept talking to Bert and I talked to, to Pops and some of the other guys. Like it just felt good. I was speaking at Summer Strong. I was going to some of the events with them. I was doing some representation for them around. Um, you know, I was happy to wear their shirts at my seminars so people could could kind of further who Sornex was and. At some point, I just didn't want to be a guy that that felt like, well, here's money because of who you were. You know what exactly. I mean? Here's yeah. some here's some money because you were a good powerlifter win. And um, I I wish I had felt more like that when I was coming up and been more protective of of what I put myself attached to. You know, even if even if it was just product. Like I don't want to I don't want to try or speak on things that I don't believe in. And before. I didn't believe in anything. So it was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll throw you a shout out or I'll do this or whatever. Like just took everything that kind of came my way. And I think it was because I had no business acumen whatsoever. I thought that was good. I thought that mean I was being respected and people liked me and what it was actually doing was devaluing me. Um, because if, you know, like my, like my dad said, easy women and cheap, cheap liquor, uh, you'll <laughs> regret them in the morning, you know, and that's what I had become. I was that cheap liquor that, I guess we'll say quote unquote easy woman. Um, you know, it was, I was helping everyone else. I'll get to I that. I have a question to ask you later, but I'll get to that part. Oh, uh, okay. I bet I know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, for me, I, I wanted to be an employee. I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to feel like I had to earn my keep. So sure. I run, I run and manage the podcast. Like I said, you know, if you can't tell by now, I talk for a living. Um, and that's a very, very proud part for me, but I'm also a part of Sornex community development. I do a lot of networking. I try to connect the dots between people that may, may exclude Sornex from the equation, um, but I bring people together. You know, if I could find someone that would benefit you, I would be an asshole if I didn't send you a text and say, hey, man, this guy's got some great ideas about the food industry. I think you could listen or maybe learn something, or if I knew somebody that you could help and I didn't send them a text message or connect you to, I'm just an asshole. So for me, I try to just tell myself that I'm a good, active, happy human. And um, that's the worst job description in the world, but it's true. Like, no, I don't it's perfect. Do anything, I mean, I don't do anything that I don't want to do, but it's all in the name of good that I'm trying to do. Like if, if going out here and working out is good for my heart, body and mind, and then I can share that and it gets somebody off the couch, that's an A plus. That's a plus one for me. And then if I can go out here and record a great podcast or, you know, 
build an idea that develops the podcast down the road, which is, you know, kind of what we're doing right now. We've got some really great ideas in the works. So I'm kind of nurturing those things, feeling them out, looking at other people that are doing similar, seeing how they're doing it well, seeing things that I could do, you know, perceive to do better. Uh, do some of the media stuff with, with the guys like Austin, Ricky, and Josh. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of a, you know, you call me, and if, if you need me and I can do it, I'll be there. That's that's always my answer for Sornex is they showed up for me when a lot of people backed away. So I'm always going to continue to, sh to show up and, and support them in whatever way I can. And thankfully, I'm an employee. And beyond that, um, I do some client training in person, online. I do some consulting with uh, some of the military installations and um, universities, a couple of NFL teams. The teams don't necessarily reach out, but I've had some players that have been in the organization and referred me around. So I've got a couple of feeders that kind of just, you know, if one thing's slow for a month or two, the other two or three things will pick me up. So my day-to-day -day is pretty active. You know, it's 10, 12-hour days um, of of active movement and work. You know what I mean? I'm up early yeah. to hike or train, and then it's podcast, phone calls, emails, right on down the line and uh yeah it, it it feels good to be active because i think for so many years there in the middle when i was struggling um i was on my back and you know if you add up the months and the weeks it was like 68 weeks that i was on my back out of four mm -hmm. years i couldn't even so imagine that's that. over that's over a year you know out of four and i don't know if anybody can really fathom the just the the way that chips away at you sure. you know not that you don't go outside because that's a choice but the inability like the the desire to just get off the couch to camp so it was it was a tough it was a tough spell but i've gotten to a point like i said i don't do a whole lot of of what i don't want to do in sornex for whatever reason i'm that weird puzzle piece that just fits what they're looking for and it's it's been i think mutually beneficial to both of us because as I said before, I'm not out here chasing a million dollars because I have a, a belief system of people around me that it's like, dude, you don't need that. We like who you are. You know, we right. like this and we like that. So it's, well, I think it's that's the culture too. I mean, I'm a, sure. I'm a huge brand and, and culture guy and I can count on one hand with probably two fingers left, you know, the brand and the brands and cultures that I'm proud to be a part of. And, and I know a bunch of guys within them and Sorenex is Sorenex and first form are the number one and number two of on that list for me. And um, yeah. I know, you know, the first form guys pretty well too. I grew up with those guys. So I'm pretty familiar with them, but oh, they, well, they, y'all got something in the water then because y'all are doing it right. But no, they're, they're great dudes and actually no bullshit. Um, I just had one of their shakes. That's that's one of the only uh, proteins that I have. I'm, I, I work with Monster on their muscle protein line, but um, that's kind of a ready to drink. It's it's on the go. Sure. Um, but but the powder good. from first. Oh yeah, they're I love them. They're fantastic, and um, I think it's cool that Monsters like looked at themselves as a company and said, you know, do we do we want to remain? what we have been which is kind of like just relegated to the gas station corner or can we do better and that was one of the biggest appeals for me to work with them on the monster muscle side because they're focusing on hydration they're focusing on you know a product that replaces basically a pre-workout in the muscle 
mean, I'm not trying to hype your show for this, but no, anyway, no, that's another, that's, that's a, but it's, it's just neat that they're, they're looking at ways to make people better, not just to like slam a drink down their throat. That's got, you know, 400 milligrams of caffeine or whatever. Um, I, th- I think that was cool. And that was the appeal to that for me, but I totally get, you know, what you're saying about, um, first form because I use their supplements. I'm taking master brain, which is probably why I'm talking 600 miles an hour right now, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, a nootropic. And then I love their protein after all those years of surgery. Um, I was on antibiotics the whole time. So my gut was just, it was ransacked and that was one of the only proteins that I could take that was delicate enough to, to work with my system. Andy heard about that. And, you know, a few days later, I had about six boxes full of the protein sitting in my house. And that kind of generosity, un, unwarranted, you know, he didn't have to do that. Like, um, and just because I said, you know, this is, this is something, I just gave him praise of reality. Like, it's, sure. a, it's a good protein. It's a high quality protein. And it didn't make me run in the bathroom every five seconds. Um, to see how that guy paid that compliment forward. Now, granted, I, I mean, he's not dumb. He knows I have an audience. He knows I have people that listen to what I say, but he didn't have to do that. You know, it, it really, really impressed me with those guys. So first form is top notch. I've learned that that monster is, is just unbelievably generous and and caring about their athletes um like i said they're trying to move in a direction and then sornex those are my main sponsors and then i've just started working with stay classy meats so it, it they have an ethical movement too you know they're trying to create change in an industry that's got a black eye and that's why i wanted to be a part of that so all the companies that i work for or brand with now are because i'm a human that wants to help humans not a exactly. lifter that's just no, I love that. I think I, I agree a hundred percent with that. I mean, companies like that are few and far between. There isn't, there isn't too many of them left. And I think that's what draws me to the, those examples that we just talked about first form and Sorenex. I mean, their company culture and what they stand for and what they're trying to do. You just don't see that too often. It's, it's something that's disappearing and I'm just, I'm it proud is. to be associated with them myself. So. Well, dude, I know your name pops up a lot and I mean, they showed you a little love there with your work desk. I wish you'd, uh, I wish you'd been sitting in it smoking a cigar or something with your feet up. But... <laughs> talk but talk to my there. wife about that one, man. She helped me put it together and she was cussing me up one side and down the other. She's got Those three, three blood blisters on her fingers from tightening lug, lug nuts. <laughs> Those things are indestructible, man. I mean, that's, I love that. I love that you are an actual representation of that. Cause there's a lot of people in every walk, you know, not, not even talking exclusive to Sornex, but there are people that they get, you know, they buy a shirt and they wear it because it's a shirt. And then there's people that, that buy a shirt because it's your shirt, you know, and it's, sure. it's representative of who you are and supporting you. And that's, it's very cool to see guys like yourself that in turn show support back, you know, it, it's, it's just a really good thing. And dude, I know, like I said, your name pops up a lot in our circle. So I would just expect the longer that you're around, the more, you'll find yourself being called to do more. You know what I mean? That's, that's the only way. I'm in, man. I'm all in. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, man, thank you. I can't thank you enough for the time and and talking to us and, and sharing your story, man. It's, I think, again, for me, it's always very inspiring. And whenever I see you out doing your thing and traveling around and just sharing every day, 
life lessons, you know, and, and, and I want to, I'm odd is not the right word. I don't want to say odd ways, but you know, in your own way, the way that you do yeah. it, which I have to bring this up, man. I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned yeah, uh, yeah. the, the cheap liquor and, and easy women. I think I saw a picture of you online the other day, dressed up as a woman running around town. What was that all about? So, uh, Tyler Childers, his new album came out. I highly recommend it. Um, I, I, you know, I started talking to Tyler strictly as a fan um, of his music. He lives not too far from me right now. I mean, he's about, as the crow flies, 15, 20 miles. So it's not very far, um, about 30 minutes by drive. <clears throat> and we got to talking and I relentlessly gone to like show after show after show. Cause dude, his, like he's just a different breed and I'm glad that the world is catching on to this guy because his music is amazing, but he's an extremely brilliant and talented human. And I think he's got a lot of stuff going on in a, in a positive way that people don't even realize yet, you know, and I kind of, because I'm around so many high achievers and I'm kind of in tune with people that, that think different when we engaged and we talked, um, first time I, I got to meet him and hang out with him a little bit was, outside of uh sonora mays his wife's cd release she's also a very talented artist and um we spoke a little bit cut up and then that that led to a couple messages online and just a very very slow but organic um i would call it you know friendship would probably be a stretch but just somebody that you know you're good you're in good company with and uh, he was running this contest from one of his videos called all yorns and in the video he dressed up as multiple characters one was like a you know a redneck type character another one was a you know a drunk sitting at the bar and then this one was this this roughneck chick and he called her tammy <laughs> chiggers so uh got involved with that you know for his album release they had a challenge to win some tickets and stuff like that um i was excluded because of you know, the relationship that I've, I've kind of formed with him and some of the others, but I wanted to show the support to a friend that, that, that said, Hey man, I know I'm not getting anything out of this, but I want to, this is my way of saying thanks to the music that you made, the stories that you told. And it, dude, it was, it was so fun because five years ago, I wouldn't have had the confidence to do that. Um, I wouldn't have felt like I would have worried too much about what people thought or what people would have said, or would people be like, well, Brandon's not hardcore enough or whatever, you know, and I was very, <laughs> very much tied to that identity, but I actually, that's probably my biggest takeaway from that thing is that I'm actually proud of myself. Like, I, I think we beat ourselves up a lot by that like count and that follow count. Um, sure. And if they're not moving in the right direction, I mean, what the fuck, man, I'm sorry for the language, but it's just, uh, you're it, not gonna it, this me. Is, it, it pisses me off because it's like, that number is there not only to have people perceive you as something, but you really start to perceive yourself around what that number says. You know, it's like, I mean, it's very easy to do. I'm not saying everyone does, but it's not like in a, you know, past generations or past evolutions of, of, of human species. We're walking down the street, like everybody you meet, Hey, I've got 134 friends. I've got 215 friends. I've got 65 friends. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even part of the conversation. And now it's like, that's currency. That's why, I mean, I have, I have so many followers. It is. And it, it, 
breaks my heart because my son is coming into that age. Um, he is, he has a YouTube account where he can watch stuff. He can't create anything. And, um, I'm very, very, I mean, I know the pitfalls of, of social media as of right now, he doesn't have it, but it's coming. And that's what I look at is like, man, from an early adaption, uh, you know, for a kid, his age, um, he'll be 12 next month. So it's like, how much of an impact does this have on his construct moving forward? Sure. You know, how much does he value himself around this? No matter how much, you know, I or his mother or his grandparents or whoever tells him he's he's valued and loved and, and this is all going to be okay. You know, one kid gets on there and sparks the fire. Well, they all topple on. It's a very, very dangerous thing for people that don't understand how to use it. You know, I think I've gotten to a point where I've learned to use it for positivity, for good. If somebody wants to, to call up my past and argue about it, I got no time for that. If you want to call up my past and talk about it and grow from it and maybe understand me a little bit better, awesome. I don't think a 13 or 14 year old kid has the capacity to look at it that way. No, absolutely. You know, not. All, I mean, all, we... they're, all they're thinking, it's TNA at that point. You know, exactly. it's like, so it's. We it's deal with that a lot on that social media aspect on the counts and the followers. And I mean, we get a hit up daily with people who treat that following and those numbers like currency, like you said, and you know, there's no substance behind their inquiry to us. It's, Hey, look at me. I've got this amount of followers. I can do this. I can do that. Instead of coming with any true meaning and feeling and actually wanting to do something to help you. It's just gotten out of hand and it's, it's terrible. It has. And I, and I don't know, like I purposely won't like things that I, I think are, are abused as currency for, for Instagram. I mean, listen, I posted a shirtless picture yesterday. I, you know, I lost a hundred pounds. So, you know, my heaviest, I was never a fat, fat guy, but I was a big muscular, sure. fat, hulking guy. And now I'm back to my athletic collegiate weight. I was 243 in college. Um, I'm 248 yesterday on the scale. I'm a little bit heavier than that. Cause I did, um, I didn't train so hard yesterday and I had a couple burgers, but, um, it's also a part of the plan. Like once I hit my goal, I kind of ease up for a day or two and then maintain that net, that new weight for a couple of weeks. And then I try to go down a little bit. It's kind of an ebb and flow thing. Sure. So, you know, I know that when I take my shirt off, that is going to get a different response than when I post a picture of, an, of, of some artwork that I like or a photograph that's shared from someone else. Dude, it's crazy. Like, I, I actually get a kick out of it. When I share the stuff that is closest to my heart, the stuff that, like, truly inspires me or makes me think or catches my eye, it's always the smallest number of likes. Yeah. But I start to see a trend. It's the same people. So I can post a picture of whatever and get 10,000 likes on it. I don't really gain anything from that because it's not real. But when yeah. you start showing yourself, and you start getting those likes from people consistently. Oh, it's the same people liking this kind of stuff over and over. Maybe they get me on a different level than when I take my shirt off and just say, hey, look at me. I've lost 100 pounds. And I, I think for, my, for me, I'm drawn more to that crowd. So, yeah, I'm going to post that stuff because it's like, well, that shirtless pic and the fact that I lost 100 pounds might inspire somebody to, to, to pursue their own greatness. Um, and I would hope so but it's not like that becomes my currency or my worth. Like that is not an everyday thing that is not, I mean, there's some accounts of, of people that it is literally just as, as posed and as filtered and as, you know, photoshopped, we'll say 
um, as possible. And it's just a picture of their face or a picture of their body every yep. single day with no substance. Like the quotes aren't even theirs. Yeah. Like the quotes are stolen quotes. So what do you become? You become, it's you become a charade. Yeah. You become, you become a charade, you know? So I did, ex- I did the I, exact I same it. thing this morning about turning 40 next week. You know, I, I posted a shirtless yeah. picture this morning about turning 40, but I mean, I was trying to, yeah. trying to describe a yeah. lesson there behind it, but. But you know, the thing about it is we we are shirtless sometimes. So it has its place. Like it has its place in reality. And that's what I try to do. I try to, Listen, I played the game. I tried to outmaster the algorithm for a lot of years. And I think I probably had some success at it because it was something that I was focused on and intentionally doing. Now, Instagram is not a threat. It is not a place where I don't like to go because over time, I just started to weed out the people that, okay, this guy comments and all he ever comments is bullshit. So done. Block. Sure. Like I just started weeding people out based on how they perceive me and how they react. Because listen, it's mine. Like it, it, that sounds very ridiculous in an open forum, but I don't have to keep you on there. There's a block button or there's a remove button or there's a whatever button. That's why a lot of my posts don't have comments because it's like, there's nothing that you can say about this photo or what I'm saying in the caption that will change what I feel about it. And I I don't need people to, and I don't need people to tell me that they agree with me because that doesn't matter either. <laughs> like yeah. a lot of my comments don't have po- or comments on them because I just, I don't want, I just don't want to deal with any of it. Like I just, this is mine. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what I felt. Just leave it at that. If I could turn the like count off, I would, I don't need that, but I like sharing my life. Sure. Well, man, I'm, uh, I can't thank you enough for the time. Um, are you going to, be speaking at SOAR next, the uh, Summer Strong again next year? Probably not. Um, I talked to Bert about it briefly, but I think, you know, if I can't get my point across through the Be Legendary podcast, um, I, I don't know that my voice great, is. great, by the way. You're doing a great job with thank that. You, I, thank I you. I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I think like everything, I'll just tell you the, again, talking too much, but um in the beginning, I think for me, it was like, this thing has to be huge. This thing has to grow. It has to become something, you know, the Joe Rogan effect, right? Sure. Um, I thought the same thing. It was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think we feel an obligation because we are people that look at success and we want to model it. We want to be like that. Um, but I think what's starting to happen now and everything that I've read is like, it takes a hundred episodes to really find your groove, find your voice, find your direction. And we're getting near that 50 to 60 range and they're getting more comfortable. The The conversation is, is much more conversational rather than interview, uh, much like this one. I mean, we're just talking and it's uh, it's a good feeling to see that. But more than but more than that, those are the things that anybody can do. Sure. What I think that we're what we're trying to do for ourselves at Sornex is it's, it's one thing to talk about the premise of be legendary. You know, talk to legendary people, tell their story. That's awesome. But if I don't ever help the guy that's listening become better and hopefully trend towards his legendary, that's that's my purpose. That's what I want. And um, I think by redefining what legendary means helps people understand for somebody, it's just being like for somebody who has been a terrible dad, being legendary is getting it right. Figuring it out, how to, how to be a better dad 
how to put down the booze or how to quit the smoking or how to walk their first mile or whatever it is, if we can give you a roadmap by showing you continually, here's awesome people. Here are great people that are doing great things. Um, but also, here's a way that you can do great things in your life too. It's, yep. it's, it's important to me to not just be a voice. It's important for me to be a message. You know, don't well, just I use agree. words. That's kind of my goal with this one also is when we, when we first started this, I've actually re-released it. I mean, we, we had one before and we kind of held off because I didn't really feel like we were creating too much value with it. And then once we re- decided to re-release it and do it again, you know, I, I got really caught up in analytics and numbers and downloads. And I, I kind of lost sight of why we decided to do it again anyway, was to create value and in, in just lifestyle topics. And, and like you said, just helping everyday people and, and, and creating value there and, and not focus on the numbers too much. So, yeah, I can relate to that. Well, dude, think about what you're doing. I mean, as a business and then also as, as this podcast, I mean, you're, you are giving people, you're removing an excuse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're creating a, a product that so many people, I don't have time to prep. I don't have time to, okay, here's a prep company. What's your excuse now? Yeah. Like, okay, it, co- it costs so much. Well, how much does your meal at Wendy's at lunch cost? You know what I mean? Like when you start creating a product that eliminates excuses, you're creating change. I don't care if it's one person or if it's 1 million, you are creating change. And if that person loses weight, they become more active. They get more involved with their kids. They get more involved with their church or charity or whatever it is. No, absolutely. Because you made, you made a meal that facilitated their lifestyle. Dude, that's, that's everything. We just get so wrapped up in thinking we have to do like these sweeping, you know, earth shattering changes shit just make your bed yeah. like, just start with making your bed you know there, that's there's a reason that's a book yeah you know make your bed every morning start there just get better every single day every single way you can i agree man well i'm gonna wrap it up there man again i appreciate the time and um do you want to talk about where they can find you online and and all of that or do you want to yeah. give them your, give give your contact info out yeah my um probably the best place to follow me for any like current and active content would be Instagram. That'll be Brandon Lily L I L L Y and the number three. I am Lily dot Brandon three on Twitter. I usually just go on there and bitch at the airlines when they mess up my luggage or my seat. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, And Facebook is just kind of a, I use that from some of my client groups. So it's not really a, a place where I'm posting a lot of information. I, I repost everything through Instagram to my Facebook. So it's kind of like that kind of killed the, the messenger there. Yeah. So uh, Instagram is it for me. And then the Be Legendary podcast. If you if you like my voice and you like the tone of what I'm saying, um, give us a shot, especially the last couple, Jalen Wolf and Casey Bard. Those have been two that really seem to connect with people. Casey's a business guy. Jalen's a nutritionist slash awesome human. And Casey's awesome human too. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting you on there too. Awesome, man. I'm ready whenever you're ready to do it. All right, brother. Well, thank you again, man. I can't thank you enough. And uh, I appreciate the time. I'll do just getting my message out there, getting my story out there. That's all the, that's all the thanks I need, man. I I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, take care and I'll see you soon. Okay, brother. Well, there you have it. That's our two cents, and that's our clean truth. 
For more information on Clean Eats, visit www.cleaneats.com. To find Yvonne and I on social media, on Instagram, I'm Don underscore Verity, V-A-R-A-D-Y. To find Yvonne, it's just Yvonne Verity, all lowercase. Thank you. Have a great day, guys.